episode 217, A CFO's Take on Health Insurance. Today, I speak with Steve Watson, a full-time CFO and founder of the Summit Path Group. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know, talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Steve Watson is a CFO of a company with 500 employees. And he's also a consultant to other CFOs through his work at the Summit Path Group. Steve helps other CFOs buy employee benefits. And this is a noble thing to be doing these days when many CFOs are starting to wake up to the fact that their organizations are at the point where another only 4 to 6% increase in healthcare costs this year is the 4 to 6% that puts their organizations over the line where they have to take control of their healthcare spend. My name is Stacy Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Steve. Glad to be here. Let me just state a fact, which probably everybody knows at this juncture, but just to really drive the point home. Healthcare costs have been increasing 4 to 6% each year, year over year, compounding to become the, in general, second biggest expense after payroll for many companies. It's funny that I'm telling a CFO that. Um, <laughs> yes, I, I live that every year, right? I was actually going to ask you, Steve, how do these spiraling costs negatively affect companies? But actually, I'm not going to ask you that question because I think we'd be here all day. So let me frame it a different way. You know, what are the biggest ways that these spiraling and compounding healthcare costs negatively affect companies from the CFO's standpoint? Every year, we kind of wait with very anxious thoughts of what our, our next renewal is going to be. And then we start scrambling. And so a lot of times people talk about them being four to six percent increases, but those are hard dollars. So for every hundred employees, that could be fifty thousand dollars of increase. So as a CFO, go find out where you're going to find that money from. Are you going to pull it from capital expenses? Are you going to not give raises the next year? Like what are you going to do? Like how are you going to find that money? Um, and sadly, a lot of it just gets pushed to in, to employees, and it just creates a, a stir every year where you're trying to you know, give out raises and do stuff for your employees. And yet you're trying, you're having to pay higher costs for healthcare every year. If the price of something increases four to 6% every year, year over year, and it's compounding, when is it double? So it, it goes faster than you think because it's on top of each other. And so just because it's a 5% increase every year, it's 5% on top of 5% on top of 5%. And so just in the last five to six years, I was looking at a Kaiser study that showed the price of healthcare is 50% higher than it was five to six years ago. And so it, it seems smaller when you say four to 6%, but then when you go back and look at your healthcare costs, what it was five, seven years ago, it's extremely higher than what it was and what you would think it'd be. And a lot of times it's hard to see that because of these changing health plans, because there's higher deductible, high deductible plans or the employer push more costs to their employees. And so the employer may not see it on their income statement that it's that much higher, but the employees are filling it. Yeah, for sure. Because obviously that's kind of where the buck stops. 
And it's the saddest place for it to stop because they don't have a seat at the table. They don't get to negotiate. They don't get to pick a plan. They don't. They just get what's offered to them from their employer, and it's yeah, and they end up just putting the bill. And a lot of times we complain about how why our wages are not increasing. Well, from an employer's perspective, they are increasing because it's wages plus benefits plus FICA taxes. That whole total compensation is what the employer's paying for their employees, but the employees only see what ends up in their paycheck. You would think that if the price of anything went up 50% over five years, that CFOs everywhere and business leaders everywhere would be flipping their lids and jumping up and down, demanding that their CFOs or HR benefits leaders got this under control. Is that happening? It should be happening a lot more. It's it's happening a little bit. You could, you saw that Amazon and J.P. Morgan Chase and Warren Buffett, they flipped their lid and they said, "We're out. We're going to create our own healthcare company." And so that was last year, and that kind of inspired me to start doing what I'm doing. But on the ground level, with small to mid-sized employers, we don't know how to move the lever. And so what we've done is we hire brokers, we hire consultants to come in to try and help us manage these costs. And you know, I'm embarrassed a little bit to say from the employer's perspective, we don't quite understand how those incentives work for brokers. Because in the end, those brokers get paid more when the premiums go up because most of them are getting paid commissions. And so the people that we're bringing in to help us actually have a misaligned incentive with us. And so they bring in a plan. Yes, it's going up 4 to 5%, but that broker is getting a 4 to 5% raise to bring us that plan. And we're taking a 4 to 5% hit to accept that plan. And so what I'm seeing is the people that we're hiring to help us are not. It just needs to change. I and mean, that's why I went and started this consulting company, just to change that dynamic. I just want to underscore something that you just said, that many brokers are actually being paid a commission by insurance companies. So the higher the premiums that an employer pays, the more commission a broker makes. Is that a correct statement? Yes. And a lot of times people think that the, the chain of command is employees get their health care from employers, employers get their health care from carriers. Well, as an employer, I don't talk directly with a the carrier. There's a middleman in there. So I go out, I find a broker that broker is the one that comes in and helps me select those carriers. And you would hope that that person, and I, when they come into my office, they say that they're on my side, that they're trying to help me find the best plan. But yet I don't contract directly with them. I don't set their wages. I don't give them bonuses. I don't have, because all of that is with the carriers. The brokers are really, and I'm not going to say all of them, but most of them are sales agents for the carriers. And they're incentivized as sales agents to sell those products. And so they get incentivized when they sell products that are in the best interest of carriers. So usually full insure plans, they get paid more and they get paid. Most of them get paid a commission, so a percentage of the total premium. Obviously, this is a conundrum. We've got wildly escalating prices that are compounding. We've got the people that are supposed to be helping us. And this, this is a broad generalization, not talking about all brokers, of course. But, right. you know, like in general, that's the business model that is out there. So we have the people that we're trusting to be on our side who are not on our side and who have every incentive to actually see prices go up. 
So what's your stepwise approach, Steve, for business leaders? Obviously self-funded. And let's assume that we're not talking about a jumbo employer like ABC, which is, I understand, the new acronym for Amazon, Berkshire Hathaway, and Chase. So you're not a jumbo employer, but you've managed to get yourself self-funded. So you're, let's just say, 500 to 5,000 employees, like somewhere in the middle. If I am one of those employers, what's your advice for me? I would say that the first off is like we have to take control because we're the ones footing the bill. We can't just give it to brokers to negotiate on our behalf or do things. And in order to take control, like as a CFO, I know the price of every copy machines. I can get in the pricing of paper. I know the pricing of, of office materials. But yet the cost of healthcare could be a multi-million dollar cost to my business line that is just something I don't ever dig into. And so the first thing that I always tell CFOs and HR professionals and owners is you need to educate yourself. You need to you know listen to podcasts like this one. You need to listen to other podcasts, read books, talk to people. The thing that inspired me the most about the APC company wasn't so much like I'm not an Amazon. I'm not going to be able to have their volume. But the fact that they came together and that they're talking and sharing information, Amazon and Chase don't compete against each other, but yet they all hire employees and they all have to deal with getting insurance. And so they can help each other. And so one of the things that I recommend people is just talk to somebody, just go find another CFO, another HR professional, and just find out what they're doing. Because up until that point, the only time, like I, you know, for many years, I would ask my broker, do I have a good plan? And they would say, yeah, you have one of the great plans, but they're biased to say that they're the ones selling it to me. And so you need to get out there and find best practices and see what other people are doing. And the last thing is like, you need to be able to set up a plan that's best for your company. And so most of the time, self-insured is the best plan, but not always. There's sometimes that the, if you have high claims and different things within your, your group, maybe a fully insured plan would be the best for you. I'd say that's kind of the rare case. But I would say a lot of the employers between 500 and 5,000, there's still a lot of them. They're still on fully insured plans. And so they need to start taking control of those costs, learning more about it. All right. So let's take each one of your three items there in turn. So your first one was take control. You said something which struck me that an average CFO knows to the basis point how much paper went up this year. Right. <laughs> um, but healthcare is something that they, air quotes, don't dig into. Why don't they? Why, why don't we? Partly is because we, we realize that it's a complex issue. And so we're going to hire a third party to help us. And so we feel like we don't need to dig into it because we hire this third party. That third party, unfortunately, is set up with misaligned incentives, right? So we're kind of out the gate, not doing the right thing. It's a tricky area, too, because as an employer, you start getting into like HIPAA things. Like, do I want to like know all the healthcare of my employees? My employees don't want my employer, you know, the employer to know what's going on. And so it's a touchy area there. And then the, the third reason I would say is that like carriers are not very interested in employers knowing a lot of information. And so it's very vague. When I go throughout the year and I'm waiting for this renewal, most of the time, I don't know what's going on. Like I ask for claims data. They're like, well, we don't have it. We can't give it to you. When they give it to you, there's not a lot of meat to dig into. It's just complex, very vague, and it's a touchy area. And so a lot of times people just avoid it. And I would add probably a fourth one to the list as well, which is that it feels very risky in ways it's life or death, you know? So if I'm an employer and I'm tinkering around with people's health benefits and then they can't get the care that they need, like I said, it feels like a frightening thing to tinker with. 
well, even like the words that we use. And so fully insured sounds more comfortable, right? Self-insured sounds risky. But yeah, there's ways to set up a self-funded plan that have less risk than a fully insured plan. People just need to start taking the next step, start peeling the onion back just one layer. So if my personal budget's out of whack, I start looking at different layers. So I look at my mortgage and my car and stuff. And then I start pulling back to the next layer and then the next layer. So CFOs just need to go down one layer. So what is the, my claims? What is my admin cost? What is my PBM cost? And just see if they can tinker at that level and then go down another layer and then another, another layer. But they need to take the next step. What you're saying here, which was the third thing on your list, is that carriers make it tough. So, you know, if I call up a carrier and I say, show me my data, show me what my claims are, show me this, they are going to create complexity maybe or not return my calls or, or just make it hard or, or question. Well, from, from their perspective, they have the claims, right? And so they need premiums. They need people paying into the pool so they can pay out their claims. So they, they want you there. And so if you're one of those employers that have low claims, you are an ideal candidate for them. And so they, they want you to stay there. And so they're not going to make it easy for you and say, well, you could actually save a lot of money if you self-insure and we'll just admin, you know, be the minister of your claims. So I get it from their perspective. But I think from employers, we need to like start getting it from our perspective, too, of saying, like, if I keep putting in two million dollars every year and there's only a million dollars worth of claims, there is a better way to do it. What's your advice to a CFO to demand the claims from some gigantic, powerful organization that has zero incentive? In fact, every incentive not to give them to me. Is it strong language? Or? Well, what, what I found just talking to other CFOs is a lot of times they don't realize that they can actually get the claims. And so they'll ask their broker, the broker come back and say, I, I didn't get the claims data or I couldn't get it. But what the CFOs don't realize, at least in my state, if you have more than 75 employees and you go get a quote from another insurance company, that other insurance company requires the claims in order to get that quote. And so the claims data is available because they're passing it between each other, between these big insurance companies. It's trying to get it from the carrier through the broker to you that I think it's more difficult. You have to have more, yes, like I said, strong language, but strong language with your broker. Like you have to get those claims data for me. If I have more than 75 employees, it's available. And if you can't get it for me, then I'm going to go straight to the carrier and get it from them. Now, from my perspective, I, I get claims data, but the carrier is very protective of, of facilities. They won't tell me the actual facility names and they won't tell me the employee's name, which I don't want to see the employee names. I don't want to get into the HIPAA side of things. But I'm paying the claims to the, the hospital, different hospital systems. Like, why shouldn't I know which hospital systems are charging me different prices so I can steer my employees to the lower cost ones? And so they protect that data. And I, I haven't been able to find a way around that piece yet. It's interesting because I know that there are, and maybe they're just larger employers, but for example, Ross Bella or Mike Dendy, who have been earlier guests on the podcast, somehow or another, they are getting that information. Yeah, and I think it's becoming more and more open to people. So we haven't been able to get it from carriers until you get third parties are starting to get it. So again, you think of like the ABC companies coming together, they have millions of employees, they have millions of claims. And so if they're using a third party administrator, like that claims data is available. It's just somebody needs to start making it public, which is what I think these companies are starting to do is starting to aggregate that data and making it public, which I think is a game changer, just knowing the prices and so I think bringing in transparency and prices is a game changer in this industry. 
Yeah, especially at the employer level. So basically, if I'm a CFO and I'm looking to take control and I know my plan is up in June, that's when I need to sign the paperwork. When do I need to start agitating? You know what I mean? Because obviously this taking control and then there's going to be delay in getting the the claims, the data that I'm going to need in order to even start doing the analysis. When do you begin? So my plan renews in in January 1. And so when I get into, I would say you know, six months, seven months prior is when you need to start gathering all the information, making sure you have the right people on your side to help you do it to to tackle this. Because once you get to September, October, you know, three, four months, you're you're having to actually pick your plans, roll it out to your employees. So you're you're past the time when you could actually mess around with different plan designs and different things. And and I wouldn't even say, I mean, a lot of times we look at it as a every year cycle and when do I need to start tackling it? I would almost look at it as a three to five year plan. And how do I step along and take the next step in my progression to purchase healthcare in a, in a better way? And so take a step this year, take a step next year and a step the following year. And that's probably wise. Because anytime you're dealing with something which is a black box, if you move too far too fast, you can wind up with unfortunate unintended consequences. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. So when you start unbundling your self-funding, you, you buy stop-loss insurance. I've gone, I've done this for five or six years. It's almost like you always have like one or two years, you're going to have a bad year. And so you don't want to judge everything off that bad year. You know, the plan needs to be set up. So you're not going to bankrupt the company that you're not going to let your costs go out of whack that, that year. But then it's the other years when you have low claims. Those are the years that you want to have a plan that's set up that you get to keep the benefits of having a low claims year. Like a lot of employers will get out and they'll start building out wellness programs and help and their employees and doing stuff, but they're not even set up on a plan that allow those funds to come back to the employer and the employee. It's just the carrier gets to keep the the good years. And so you need to you need to balance those five years of saying if I have a five year plan, I'm gonna have one bad year, let's you know manage that risk, but I wanna have a plan where the full other four years I get the benefit. Or surprisingly amount of employers that are still on fully insured plans. And you're saying that's a good thing or a bad thing? I would say in most cases, it's a bad thing unless that one specific employer has a reason why they're on a fully insured plan. Most of the time, you want to set up a plan where you get a benefit, which is be more of the self-funded plans. And so they really need to, if they don't know what a self-funded plan is, that's, you know, healthcare 101. They need to like, what is a self-funded plan? How does it work? And that's the education piece that I really think employers and you know CFOs need to learn more about. That could be a nice segue into your point number two. So the first thing that you said is, you know, CFOs, employers, benefits professionals really need to take control. The second one that you laid out for us is to talk to somebody and find out if what you've got is actually comparable to what others have, you you know, like benchmark here. Is it good or is it bad? How do I do that? I I go down to my club and I tap someone on the shoulder and be like, you show me yours, I'll show you mine. Like, you know, like, how does that work? Well, that's what I've been doing the, the past year. Actually, you know, one of them was, you know, we were, our kids played on the same Little League team and we got talking and he's a CFO, I'm a CFO. And we just started talking about it. A lot of CFOs are part of associations or groups and we go and we learn about, you know, interest rates and taxes and tax changes and different things. Well, just having a session on healthcare and not even so much bringing a speaker in to like tell you the next greatest thing, but I think there'd be a lot of power in that group of just within that group, everybody just sharing and saying, here's the plan that I have set up. You know, anybody got a better plan and almost like find out who has the best plan within that group and a way to do it. And it's hard to you know compare apples to apples and people say it can't be done. Well, it can 
it's not perfect, but it can get close. You start comparing the, the cost per year per employee. And so that would be the, the total employer cost, but then also what the employee pays, what comes out of their check. Um, and you add all those amounts up and you divide it by the number of employees you have and start comparing. Is it $10,000? Is it $15,000? Is it $5,000? And you'll be shocked that you'll find that some will be down around six, dollars $7,000 and other people will be up around 15000 And so if I'm in that $15,000 group, that should lead me to start asking questions like, what are they doing differently? And people will start saying, well, it's, you know, maybe they have different demographics, maybe, but you need to like dig in a little bit more than that and start finding out about the plan and how they have it set up. At a minimum, it's going to open the door to questions. As I've heard it said, sometimes the most important part are the questions that you ask. So just merely asking questions can probably illuminate corners of that black box. (laughs) So that's the very first question I ask CFOs is like, what is your cost per year per employee? And most of them, I don't know that cost per, per employee. And so just knowing that amount and then just take it back as many years as you can just to see what that cost has done over the last few years. And I think that'll just open up enough eyes. You know, even even at that level, if you start digging into that amount and then you start looking at the person that you've hired to help you with this healthcare cost. And so they need to really analyze the next thing is like, do they have the right person to help them to manage that cost? Because in the end, it's a its own little profit center. It's like they have their own little insurance company that they're managing. Coming up with that calculation also, what the total cost per employee is, is also kind of that basic yardstick that you can use as a comparator with other employers. So kind of like before engaging in these conversations, everybody's got to have a little bit of math done. Yeah. For example, yesterday or or last week, I met with another CFO and the company I'm with is four to five times larger than his. And so it's hard just on a dollar amount to compare. But when you take it down to the per employee level, it starts to become more apples to apples. And I could also see your suggestion of getting together with local CFOs. That has another advantage over like a national initiative in that healthcare is local and healthcare costs tend to be local. There's gigantic regional differences. So, you know, if you're in Arizona and uh, you're trying to compare prices with somebody in New York City, you're going to wind up with wildly diverging costs. Exactly. I would start with just different, you know, lo- I guess local companies around your size of the of employee count. You made the joke about I'll share mine if you share yours. Like, <laughs> yes, you know, just start sharing. And why not? I mean, why why are we so protective about that that information and and different things? And I I think we should be out sharing that. Well, especially if there's really good reason to do so. This is as you just said. It's, this is millions of dollars a year in cost. You CFOs at your parties are um, comparing all kinds of other things. Like, why is this off the table? It seems odd. Yeah. And, and part of that is like, I think we also know CFOs need to like healthcare. There's different components of there's the care, you know, making sure that there's good quality doctors. There's the ability to find doctors and kind of the HR, like compliance and different areas that they have to deal with. And then there's the cost side that the CFO deals with. And a lot of times in a company that HR professionals will manage the healthcare side of things. But and I'm not trying to call HR out, but we don't hire HR folks to manage profit centers. I mean we hire them for different skill sets. They get an HR for different skill set. And managing a three million dollar spend is more of what a CFO has been trained to do. And so they need to come together, you know, CFO and HR and each manage their respective buckets. 
it definitely is one of those cross-disciplinary functions, you know, like you don't want yes. the CFO saying, we're just going to slash costs and have these huge high deductible plans right. and then all the employees quit. But at the same time, you can't have an HR professional who all of a sudden is handed spreadsheets with 19 tabs. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it happens all the time. It happens all the time. That this, you know, either the CFO is managing it and it's driving it into the ground, and they're having a hard time attracting and retaining employees, or you're having somebody that's attracting and retaining employees, but the costs are just nobody controlling the costs. And that's one of the reasons why CFOs don't know those costs because, like, well, I don't really manage this. This is HR. HR works on it. And but yeah, they they need to come together and do it. So it sounds like also that is a call to just senior leadership at organizations to make sure that the right functions are weighing in on yes. something as important and as gigantic as the, the fringe benefits of employees, which, as we just articulated, can sometimes be the second biggest cost. Yeah, it really needs to be the owners, CEOs, because they manage both sides of that, right? And then they get their... They're folks that help them with it, doing it, but it's at their level. Yeah. I mean, this is not like micro. This is, right. it, it could determine the future of a, of a business. I'm sure there's companies that have gone out of business because if you add salaries plus healthcare costs, the, just the, the payroll becomes way out of line with what the market will bear as far as, as costs go. So this isn't a little thing. Like this could be existential. Yes. Okay, so the third thing that you had put on your plan here is set up a plan that is best for your company. You know, is it fully insured? Is it self-insured? How are you thinking about that? What's a company to do who is wrestling with that pivotal question? So what, what's going to drive your claims costs? It's the whole 80-20 rule, but I'd almost say it's the 595 rule. What drives your costs the most for employers is the one claim, the $1 million claim, the $1, $2 million claim. It's not so much the urgent cares, the, the primary care, the different things. It's those big claims you need you need to be able to manage. And so if you have you know, an employee that has those type of claims, it might fit best being in a fully insured group where you're sharing that cost over multiple employers. Again, most of us are in that at 95% of the, the area where we don't have those employees in our groups. We're not in, incurring those high cost claims. And so in those cases, it's in our best interest not to be paying a million dollars when we only have, you know, say $500,000 worth of claims. We should be looking at self-insured in those, those instances. Although that million dollar employee could pop up at any moment. You know, like you just right, which is why you get stop loss insurance, and that's why that's where you you know start digging into layers. Is that's where you need to manage. What are you doing to manage that type of claim? So, if I had one thing to tell CFOs or brokers, something like, what processes are you using, or what are you doing to manage that type of claim, that huge pharmacy claim, that huge medical thing? Because most of them will come in and start talking about urgent care and you know, wellness plans or something. That's not going to move the needle enough. So you need to yes, right now I may not have a high claim, but and so I need to set up a self-funded plan, but I need to set up a self-funded plan. So when that one employee does pop up, that I'm ready for it. So for that one bad year that I talked about, so you have to manage it over that five-year period. You're going to have bad years and you're going to have good years and you need to have a plan that will manage it. But if you have an employee that's going to be at a bad time and they're going to be an employee for the next 20 years working for you, then yeah, then the fully insured plan makes more sense. Thinking about the three things that we have just been talking about, step number one is you got to take control. Step number two is you got to talk amongst yourselves. And then step number three is figure out what the best plan is just from a structural perspective. And there's a lot of right. options there, obviously. Given 
the complexity and how much some people know about this. I mean, generally speaking, it's everyone's probably first instinct that if you realize you're stepping into unknown territory that, you know, you want to get somebody to assist you, which might be why you've set up your consulting practice and you're speaking as a CFO with no incentives there. But most people have brokers. How can people get unbiased information and help with this, you know, like get themselves a navigator to assist working their way through this quagmire when you can't necessarily go to maybe your existing broker. Yeah, it, it's tough. And that's part of the reason why I feel like there's a need I'm starting this. But I would say one of the first things is, is just be aware of the misaligned incentives and change them. So uh, back in 2012, I had a huge increase. We had a 30% increase that was being proposed to pass under employees. And I remember looking at my broker and saying, I am not giving you a 30% raise just because I had one employee that had a large claim. And he was fully on board with it. I really enjoy working with him and stuff. And he said, let's let's change it to, to a model where we set up a per employee per month fee. And you can set up, there's a variety of different ways to do it, but a fee-based thing. And what it did is it pulled him onto my side of the table instead of being a sales agent and put him on my side where we're working together to find the best plans. I think it was a big difference over the next five years of going out and trying to find plans because it didn't change his compensation, the different plans I selected. He was going to get paid. He was going to get incentivized by me. And so you may like your broker. I'm not saying that all brokers are bad and they may not want to disrupt that that relationship, but employers have the option to change them from a commission-based to a fee-based And I think that they should be having those conversations with their brokers. And there's groups like, for example, the Health Rosetta, I'm going to mention Mm -hmm. here. And they have a slate of brokers that work with them. Do you have any thoughts on organizations like that? No, I I think that's an amazing organization. And I would just go on Health Rosetta and you can look at their certified advisors. And they're really big about transparency and fee-based and doing things in in a different way. And you can go find a broker that's in, in your state there. As a, as a CFO, one of the things that I did is I just went on to all their profiles. And I just connected with them on LinkedIn. I just started seeing their posts. And it, I had received an, an amazing amount of information and ideas that I just never thought of that you know, somebody in New Jersey was doing or Florida or California. So it was very helpful for me in my local area to see what other people were doing. And that kind of goes back to your point about, you know, in order to take control, you kind of got to educate yourself. Um, So that definitely sounds like you got a crash course in what's going on out there by going on exactly like you said. So just to reinforce your methodology, go on the Health Rosetta website, look at all the brokers, follow them on LinkedIn, and you can see lifetime in real life what's what is actually happening. Yeah. And I would say it's fairly new, cutting edge kind of things. And someone would say this has been around a long time. But I think it's getting more more momentum. And like I, I think about how I bought Christmas gifts for my kids five years ago or even 10 years ago. I'd go to the store, I'd buy them, I'd bring them home. But this year, it was all on Amazon. I would just shop on Amazon. They would they'd deliver to my house. And so I'm okay with doing things differently. With brokers, we need to be thinking in the same way. Like, am I buying the same type of insurance the same way I bought it five, 10 years ago? Like, what are other people doing? Like, what is the new cutting edge way to buy buy insurance for my employees. And I think the people at Health Rosetta are, are right on the edge. And I love seeing what they're doing. Sometimes I may not want to be that pilot group, but I want to like watch the other pilot groups and see what they're doing. And then, you know, be the person right next or behind them. 
Steve, in summary here, we do have a kind of a broad audience, employers or healthcare providers or insurance carrier listeners. What would be your message kind of out there to the healthcare system at large or to any of your fellow CFOs who have tuned in? How long do you got? We could go on for hours right now. (laughs) I think that the... I, you get on social media and stuff, there's a lot of people hammer against other people and they're greedy and they're doing these things and I can't believe they're doing this and it's all the insurance carrier's problem or it's the greedy doctors or it's the employers and employees. My conclusion is is the system that we're using is the wrong type of system and, and it's unsustainable and we can just see what the price is going the way that they're going. And to me, the cutting edge side of things is how do I find a different way to do this? At the heart of healthcare is the interaction between the patient and the doctor. And I don't want to change that. I want to incentivize that. Everything else is just noise. And so, you know, I start seeing people doing direct primary care, direct contracting. I heard about a a group in, in Texas that local employers were complaining about, you know, pricing and local providers were complaining about the insurance companies and stuff. And so they just all got together and said, why do we need this national carrier to come in and tell us what to do when everything's done at a local level? Let's start you know, setting up direct contracts. So I think the system's changing. And so if I'm talking to employers, I would say you need to start looking at how the system's changing. If I'm at providers, I would start talk- talking about looking directly at employers. Like, why do you have to go through a, a carrier to a broker, to an employer, to an employee? Like, how do you set up payment arrangements and different things so it can go direct there? And I would say that employers are very on board with setting up those arrangements. Carriers, I don't know if I got enough time for carriers, but <laughs> with, with carriers, and I might be going off on a tangent here, but the way that things are, are priced are done on a very macro level and it works for them and it works for hospital systems and doctors, but it doesn't work on a micro level for employers and employees when one price at one place could be $400 and one price at another place could be $4,000. So we need to start leveling those pricing or transparency. And so the more that they start jumping on board with transparency and helping manage those costs, I think the better. And I think that if they don't do it, I think they're going to be passed. And so I'm starting to see a lot of groups that are skipping carriers and doing straight direct contracting and reference-based pricing and not using the big carriers. And if you'd like more information about direct primary care, you could listen to the podcast with Alex Lickerman. Eric Parmenter, who is on the show from Collective Health, had a great conversation with him about direct contracting between employers and health systems. And just the other day, I spoke with Carolyn Znaniak from Luna Health about charge masters and about hospital transparency. But as a result of this conversation, Steve, I'm thinking I should have Kevin Trokey on the podcast, who is the founder of the Q4i Broker Network um, and is often on LinkedIn, helping brokers to become more value to the employers that they serve. Yes. When I just joined the organization, I, I highly recommend Kevin and his group. So, Steve, if someone is interested in learning more about your consulting services, where can they go to find out more? They can visit my website at Summit Path Group. I'm also on Twitter at, at, at Summit Path Group and on LinkedIn, uh, Steve Watson, CPA. I'm always there on my little soapbox about healthcare and stuff. And so I'd love to, to talk and interact with anybody there. Steve Watson, thank you so much for being on the Relentless Health Value podcast today. 
Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.